0: welcome to episode 32 of about nashville with mike rogers i'm mike rogers and with me is my co-host miss holly hey today is part two of two with our guest jimmy adams who is a business partner of don king and former boxing manager of ernie shavers burt cooper oliver mccall greg page riddick Bowe, tony tucker and many 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 others last week you heard the first part of our candid conversation and this week you're gonna hear the rest uh Again, guys, this was a completely exclusive interview. Uh, Fans of boxing all over you guys, if you ever wondered what happens behind the scenes of big-time boxing in the fight game, this is it. He shared details that have never, ever before been disclosed before to the press or anybody else uh, about the great careers of of the boxers I've mentioned and and what eventually happened to some of them. and, And... some of it might make you cry. Some of it might just leave you shocked. It's just, uh, you know, he was, he was very uh, candid uh, about, the, about the situation. And, and Jimmy, Jimmy also debunked a, a few myths uh, for me regarding Don King that was enlightening. Um, you know, they say you play football, you play baseball, and you can even play hockey, but you can't ever play boxing or you will get hurt. This interview reveals the good, the bad, and the ugly of the sport. So it was really interesting. I'll tell you something else interesting. You know, we had that whole conversation and we put that question out there for people to call us on what they thought. uh, uh, You know, but the question was, uh, do you think that there really is a health issue with Hillary Clinton Clinton, or do you think that it was, you know, this is something drummed up by, you know, whatever. And not one call came in.
1: Really? Not
0: one. And uh, I I think as I was, um, I, I looked all weekend. Okay. Um I, I I drove around and I was looking at people's yards and I was looking at their bumpers and I noticed not one sign and not one bumper sticker for not either Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton.
1: Really? Yeah. So you one. were that guy in my yard.
0: That was me. <laughs> that was me trying to you know, I was like there's this there's,
1: creepy guy in my exactly, yard. Exactly. That
0: was that was me. Um and I, I did and 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 then I was like, wait a minute, what what why? Because you know, in every single election that we've ever seen, seen previously, you've always seen it. Didn't matter who they were, they, right, you saw tons right. of bumper stickers and signs and everything. Right. And it's there's just they're just not out there. And I'm wondering if this isn't the most polarizing election on the face of the planet to the point that I mean, here, here's two here's two parts to this. I don't think that we've ever had an election in in American history that has ever been. This polarizing, with two candidates that are unfavorably viewed by everybody, including most people in their parties.
1: That's sad to say, but it's very true.
0: Um, I can't tell you know, and I I, I tried thinking, and and the, you know, I thought for a minute, you know, Adams Jefferson was kind of it was it was pretty bitter, but but it it didn't you know divide the country, right? right. And uh, you know, Douglas Lincoln was was ugly, but it didn't, you know, obviously it led up, you know, it was one of the contributing factors that led up to the civil war, but, right. um, it didn't, uh, the people that were rooting for the people that they were rooting for, they were open about who they were, you know, they were supportive. Right. They, right. they, there was a reason that they thought in their minds and hearts that they were supporting whatever they were and they were open about it.
1: Right. You think people I,
0: are scared to be open? Well, here. So, I, as I as I'm thinking about all this, I'm looking at it and I'm going to myself, "This is the, the questions that I'm left with are this: are are the choices so dismal for everyone that we are still trying to to decide who to vote for?
1: I think it's more embarrassing.
0: And oh, okay. Or, or, or is it that? Because both candidates have been calling each other supporters these horrible oh, yeah. names yeah. that that they just choose not to openly support them yeah. to to keep any kind of conflict happening happening in right. a right. so so that leaves me to question you know other things like okay does that mean that one of the candidates mm-hmm. does not have the support that they need to win and the other one has quiet support that's going to win them election.
1: I think that may be the case in both parties.
0: That, that's what I'm saying. I mean, It could be either one. I don't, right. I don't know. But right. it, does, it, I mean, does it mean that one, one of the groups is like, okay, I don't, I don't want to be labeled. I don't want to be this. I don't want to be right. that. You know, I don't want to, you know, whatever. And the other is just quietly saying, well, I'm just going to let my vote. You know,
1: but do, do. you, I, I see, I really see a lack of interest
0: and yeah, and, the, and then there's that. Are people just oh, not, yeah. are people just not inspired by right. But they're going to exercise
1: election. their right because it's their right. But as far as actually supporting, I don't, I don't really know. see it. I
0: think the voter turnout is going to be very, very poor.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, I. And if I, it's very
1: high, like you said, I mean, you're, you're so embarrassed about, and, and to share that with people, it's like. So anyone anyway, wants to share
0: it? Yeah, and, and, and I'm not going to make this a political show. This is not a political show. It was just, an, it was just an observation that I made, okay. you know, over the weekend, and I was kind of shocked because nobody, you know, responded to our question. Right. So I'm going to make the question a whole lot easier this week. Um... But I'm not going to say it yet. No, I'll go ahead ahead and say it.
1: Share it, share it. I'll say it. I'll say it. The
0: question of the week for everybody is going to be, what do you love the most about Nashville? Not the show, about the city, Nashville. What do you love the most about Nashville? So call the Nashville, call the About Nashville Feedback Hotline, uh, 615-852-5552, 615-852-5552. And let us know what you love about Nashville. Um. I'll tell you uh oh did you did you hear that Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie oh are getting divorced? Oh my gosh,
1: divorced. yes, I did. I, was I like, did. oh my I goodness. I did, that sucks.
0: That shocked me. That
1: sucks. All those kids they got I know. all the ones they adopted and he, the heck. And
0: none of them are like his blood. So right. he's like going to have to pay child support on all he's these gonna kids. He's going to have to. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. He didn't even give birth to. <laughs> That's right. You know, he's That's trying right. to save the world. Yeah, he needs to,
1: <laughs> yeah he's going to save some pockets.
0: Uh, I'm telling you. <laughs> holy cow. Hell yeah, 22 kids.
1: <laughs> Is that how many they have? I know, know. Oh,
0: it's
1: a no. lot. It's a lot. It's not 22. No, it's not 22. Oh, okay. it's, it's a lot. So it but. Sounds like my dad. No, I'm kidding.
0: No. I'm kidding. <laughs> he killed me. <laughs> uh, yeah, right. Uh, well, then he had 21.
1: <laughs> now six. Just
0: six. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, I was, I was shocked when I read that. I was like, yeah. oh my goodness. Yeah. So I was going to make an entire episode out of my, I tried out for this comedy show on NBC over Got the weekend. How'd it go? So I'm going to tell you. Um, I was going to make an entire episode out of the the experience of what it was like to do this, but that would be the shortest episode on the face of the planet.
1: <laughs> Did they boot you off?
0: So so, um, I I will just explain over over here to you what oh, okay. happened, so that that you know, because there's no point in using a whole episode for this. Uh, you know, maybe I'm, I'm I don't know. It, it just, it depends. I met some really cool people. Did you really? I did. I met oh, some really way. cool people. So I, so I was scared. I was going to sleep in my car outside of the club. <laughs> well, because I've, I've been, in, I have been in a lot of contests. I've been in a lot of auditions. I've been in a lot of things in my entire life. Okay. So okay. When, when you open an open thing like this, especially to somebody like NBC, right. Right. Uh, there's going to be hundreds, if not right. thousands right. of people waiting in line to do okay. this. So that's what I had in my head. And, um, so I'm like, well, maybe I need to spend the night out here. So I, cause they're they're All only right. taking the first hundred. Okay. If you weren't in the first hundred, you didn't get to audition. Wow.
1: Okay. So okay. that's why that's, I had that okay. mindset.
0: Okay. And I was like, okay, maybe I need to sleep out in my car. But I, 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 as I got home and I was working out, I worked out, you have to have two auditions at 9am at when they opened it up. Um, you got a one minute audition, 60 seconds. Okay. <laughs> To be as funny as you can be. In one minute. In one minute. Okay. And uh, and then if you got called back, you came back at three o'clock that day and then you got two minutes. Oh. And then wow. and then and then if you were funny after that two minutes, you got to come back on Sunday and do a five minute set in front of a live audience. Okay. Um So I, I, and and apparently there, some people were were given professional comedians, not just people walking off the street, but there were some professional comedians that were given the opportunity to to bypass that nine o'clock set and they went straight to the the three o'clock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But they were, but they were pros. I mean, there were were some really good pros. Okay. And, um, so I, I worked my whole minute set out in my head as to how I was going to do it and practiced it several times. And, um, but that was all, I only worked out one type okay. of minutes Right. And then I showed up and um it was it was I got I left the house at six o'clock in the morning and got there about six thirty and there was probably about I think I was the sixty ninth person that signed up. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and there only ended up being like ninety. Oh,
1: okay. And you could have yeah. got there at whatever time maybe. Yeah, Right, right. Okay. Right. Okay.
0: Well no, there was some people that showed up after nine o'clock that didn't get into the, the whatever they're supposed to do and were okay. turned away. But okay. um so I was like sixty nine but great number, but I was, I was 69. Awesome. Right. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't a sign of things to come. It just meant, it just meant I sucked. Aww. <laughs> it just validated. Hey Mike, you suck. We're going to prove it. Uh, and, um, uh, so I, I stand at there and it starts raining. So, and I have my this gear is
1: Saturday, Sunday,
0: Saturday morning, yeah. Okay. okay. And it starts raining and I had to go get my and I'm I've got all my recording equipment with me cuz I'm 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 talking to myself uh in front of all these people recording this episode. Really? Really, really. And 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 and, and comedians are or maybe it's just artists but you know, they see a phone, like a, a camera or a microphone yeah. or whatever else, and they gravitate toward right,
1: it. Right, right. So
0: they started coming towards me and wanting to talk. Hey, what you doing? <laughs> I'm like, hey. And so, really? Yeah, yeah. So I, I met some really nice people. I really did. A lot of Good. them came in from Atlanta, Ohio, all these different places. And, and uh, um, they were super, super nice. I only saw very, very few people that I've seen out on open mics in the local area. Very few. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. Most of the people that that uh, were there were from other states. Okay. Um, okay. Anyway, uh, so I'm standing out there in the rain with my umbrella, and I'm trying to keep this one woman who doesn't have an, of an umbrella, I'm trying to keep her from not getting wet. What a gentleman. Um, oh, she was such a sweet lady. Her name was Mutt, and uh, she's from Smyrna. Okay. I know. She's <laughs> like She has, well, I didn't ask, but, she, but no, apparently it's don't. her show name. And, uh, okay. Okay. And um, she... She uh, She's from Smyrna. She's a comedian. She's, she hadn't been doing it for very long. Maybe I think she said a year or something okay. like that. And um, so we all were standing in line and raining. And, uh, in and we, st- we probably stood out there for two hours. Really? Three hours, something like that. In the rain? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's probably when I got a cold.
1: Yeah, you sound a little stuffy.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, then I get in there and I, we all sit down. And it dawns on me, I got sixty seconds, right? And I didn't, I didn't. um, How do I put this? I think to be a good artist or be a good comedian, you need to be flexible, right? And you need to be able to alter your set to the room that you're playing to,
1: right? And
0: Mm -hmm. um, I couldn't do that because I was locked in. I was first of all, I'm green as graveyard moss, right? So I'm, 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 I'm just like.
2: I'm so okay.
0: I'm like a little baby deer, though. I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> falling all over the place and everything, and um, you know. But I I I was locked into a certain set right. that didn't necessarily I knew wasn't going to work for this room because um, the the theme for this particular comedy show or whatever else was diversity.
1: Did you know that prior to going
0: in? Sort of. Uh, I, I kinda, we, we we figured it out toward the last part of it. But I'd already locked it in. Okay. My wife's like, "These jokes might not work. You might offend people with this. This is, you know."
1: (laughs) Hey, that's you. I know. She's like,
0: she's like, you might, you might want to back off these jokes. You don't you know, this is diversity, and this isn't very diverse. Some of these things you're saying and this, this, these jokes. And I'm like, baby, I don't. I'm, I'm a funny. I'm a comedian. (laughs) That's right. I'm a comedian, and I don't care if I offend anybody. I, I, you know, I find it funny, damn it. That's right. And uh, she's like. Yeah, but you might you might want to consider who you're telling oh, the jokes no. to. And um so I didn't get many
1: laughs. laughs. Why didn't you do pray for me? You know that's diverse um, Everybody understands that.
0: Well, well, I thought about it. I thought about it. <laughs> uh, but the damage was done. But the damage was done. It was done. I probably would have been better if I'd have talked about some boxing or if I'd have talked about Ew. some country music. I probably would well, have... well, they
1: were expecting it.
0: Uh, yeah. I kind of kind of focused in on some other things. No. And um, uh, I don't know. You don't like just to share your no no. S- okay, I'll, I'll show you. Okay. I'll show you after this is over, and I'll <laughs> I'll show you just exactly how
1: okay how <laughs> bad
0: bad I really was. It's like oh, not yeah, to and you know, you it's Like and you and you tell the punchline, and you're like. And walks in the vine. and this would have it. And we are like, Crickets.
1: Oh, don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, yeah. it's like,
0: and then the cat said, in, damn
1: And then the bell rings in your. And people 60 just like, like looking at me like, What the
0: <laughs> shit? His 60 seconds ain't coming quick enough. I feel like I'm on a bull. Holy hell. Really? Because the first eight seconds hurt like hell. <laughs> Yeah, it was really, yeah. <laughs> that 60 seconds got real long, <laughs> it got real long. Oh,
1: bummer! I hate that. So, I apparently,
0: that. and I, I did learn from uh, one of the comedians that, that actually made it through to the next round. Um, that in a situation like that, they do what's called rapid fire comedy. Okay. Where it's basically, it's a line you set up and boom, you drop the punch line. And okay. line set up, okay. boom, okay. you drop. But I thought, hell, if I did that for a solid minute, I wouldn't have nothing to say in yeah, my two minute whole, thing.
1: Yeah, that's a whole show right there. You know,
0: because I, all my jokes are pretty much set up, set up stories. Right. They're right. set up stories. So right. it wouldn't, it wouldn't work. Anyway, make a long story short. It uh, Well, it, it was sucked. an experience. It was an experience. Good. You know what? You know what? I learned several things from it. Good. Uh, I learned I'm not funny. <laughs> I learned. <laughs> no, I did. I learned several things from it. I, first of all, I learned what rapid fire comedy was right. and how it works. Right. I learned uh, the the that you you have to adjust your comedy for the room you're playing. Right. I had to learn that you need to have a slew of sets put in line so that you can be flexible. Right. I learned that um, you know that that that, that this is an art you yeah. know and oh, it's yeah. it's not just something you just pick up a microphone and take off doing it's I something that I would never that, try it you'd be good at it
1: you would you would might be good at can cuss because
0: I'd be cussing you'd be good at it you'd be nah. good but anyway I, it was a great experience I loved it um, and uh, you know it is what it is uh, second thing third thing fourth thing I don't know whatever <laughs> um, so my wife and I we watch we've already gone through the entire sixth season of uh, Walking Dead on Why? Netflix uh, cause she was absolutely addicted to it. We probably watched two or three episodes a day.
1: Oh no. <laughs>
0: really? <laughs> yes. So like all, I think it was like 16 episodes or what that made up the entire. Really? Yeah. We went through them like, like, like what do they say? Uh, a, a hot, hot knife on butter. I
1: don't know.
0: Yeah. We went through them pretty quick. It <laughs> oh, was really? good. Yeah. To the point now she's like, Oh my gosh. I, number one. I hate that I have to wait till October 23rd oh, yeah. yep, to find yep. out what's going to happen. Number two, yeah. I can't believe that I'm going to have to wait a week every single week after so, that just <laughs> to find out what's going to happen. So, I'm like, yeah, and you got through commercials, it too. Does, so That's uh, right. So it, 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 uh, she loves it. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, she loves all the characters, and she loves, you know, I, I can't say too much because I don't know where, have you even started it?
1: I have not, but I'm going to, I promise, before I, before the new season comes on, and October 23rd? Weeks, three weeks. Four weeks.
0: I have four weeks. To watch six seasons of oh, of Walking Dead? That, no, that means I'll start. Uh, <laughs> I'll start. Whatever. I will. Mm-hmm. I promise. All right. <laughs> anyway, everybody, out there, remember the question of the week is, what do you love the most about Nashville? Call the About Nashville feedback hotline, 615-852-5552. Remember to follow us on Twitter and Facebook at About Nashville. Email the show if you have questions, suggestions, or you just want to cuss us, Nashville at gmail.com. Uh, anyway. I
1: need you to get some further cold.
0: So let me tell you about some Nashville news. Okay. All right. So we, we've talked about some... some pop culture news and we talked about some whatever but national news so let's talk about some Nashville news um, this weekend or nice no, not this weekend I don't know maybe this weekend it's uh, uh, Get it together. well I know the fall Tennessee craft fair will be at Centennial Park September 23rd through the 25th where you will be able to buy handmade craft art of so many mediums that are offered for sale uh, it will be Friday and Saturday September 23rd through the 25th 10 a.m. through 6 p.m. Uh, Sunday it will be 10 a.m. through 5 p.m. a mission is free and open to the public it is at Centennial Park the Fall Tennessee Craft Fair that's this week yeah
1: and fall is this, what? this
0: weekend yeah Friday it, it is,
1: wow. is it's a Thursday or Friday when
0: does the uh, time jump back or jump forward oh, or whatever gosh, it is I don't know when does that happen
1: it's fall forward I don't know
0: spring I think it's, back fall forward it might forward. be this weekend I, is it? I don't know I think it we might to be we need check on that it's getting darker later For sure
1: Darker earlier Not later
0: Earlier Earlier <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Not earlier oh, I'm drinking more It's just you know That's um, the NyQuil you're on Yeah So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not on NyQuil cool. um, So yeah Go to the Fall Tennessee Craft Fair At Centennial Park You ever been to that? I have not You make crafts?
1: <laughs> you know I do
0: no, you so you full of craft
1: Cr- <laughs> <laughs> Christmas tree ornaments And everything
0: <laughs> Really?
1: Yeah, you know, you take the popsicle sticks, you put X's and crosses and, you know.
0: Yeah, you, might, want, you might not want to send your stuff to the, <laughs> the fair. I don't believe they'll let you in. I'll blame it on my son. So the next <laughs> event we have is also this weekend. It is a Nashville Chalk Fest at Fannie Mae D's Park. Nashville Chalk Fest, Fannie Mae's Dees Park. It's from it's September 24th and 25th. Now, Nashville Chalk Fest is free. It's a two-day street event painting festival with entertainment, food, and family fun Featuring sidewalk chalk art by professional artists, artists artists and hobbyists. Um now you'll need to go to Bellcourt. Uh it's actually I think it's at Bellcourt and Twenty Fourth Avenue next to Fannie Mae Dees Park. Uh the times are Saturday, September twenty fourth from nine A. M. to seven PM Sunday, and September twenty fifth from eleven A. M. to six PM. Um that sounds like fun. You ever seen like chalk art on the side of the road? I
1: have, but I don't <laughs> You don't know what? I don't know about the chalk art.
0: I bet it looks good. Oh, I'm
1: sure it does.
0: I hope it doesn't rain. I'm
1: sure it do. It's not supposed to. Because if it rains rain this weekend,
0: then it's going to be hard to keep the chalk know, art right? down. Yeah. be kind of muddy art. I don't know. I, I've never actually never heard of that festival, but it sounds cool. It uh, I bet my little girls would love yeah, it. Yeah,
1: James has a birthday coming up, so maybe I'll take it. What's his birthday? Uh, September 30th.
0: How old is he going to be? Six. That's next weekend.
1: It is. Yeah.
0: That's it next is. Friday?
1: Next Friday, yep. yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. Well uh you got anything? How was your weekend? I
1: don't um it was it was pretty good. I didn't do it. I didn't do a lot of anything. I went to bingo. Bingo. Bingo B-I-N-G-O.
0: Did you win? Heck no. <laughs> B I N no. I did not win. B I N G heck no. B I did not win, heck no. N O. B I N O. no. But it was fun. It
1: was, it was fun. All right. it, it just it just <clears throat> Blows my mind to see so many elderly people who have oxygen tanks who would sit in a cloud of smoke all day.
0: Are they smoking while they got them?
1: No, but they may as well be. Secondhand is worse.
0: Ooh, why is it worse? I
1: don't know. That's just what they say. I don't know. Who is I they? Don't
0: smoke? Who is they? <laughs> I
1: don't know. The attorney general.
0: <laughs> Somebody lying. Somebody's lying. I don't know about all that. So you get in the second hand smoke at the bingo. Yeah. Alright, alright, mm-hmm. all right. Let's get to the rest of the interview with Jimmy Adams. Let's do this thing. The Honky Tonk Hitman. Yeah! <laughs>
2: Welcome to About Nashville with your host, The Honky Tonk Hitman, Mike Rogers.
0: Um, so let's talk about that. So how, t- how did you get the whole mix factory thing set up and and, uh, w- and it, it, there was there was two or three things that were going on that were so powerful at that particular time and I and I'll tell you a little bit a story that you may not know. So um, there was the facility that you were talking about with Excalibur that was going on where all the, the fighters were training and everything yeah. and then there was the facility down there in Nashville downtown at the Mix Factory and then there was you that was working with Don King uh, and, and putting on all of the fights that were taking place and training the fighters that were down there at the uh, the Excalibur um, and that was where I, I made my pro debut uh, uh, in swimming trunks and tennis shoes and a cowboy hat <coughs> um, uh, how did all that take place? How did, how did you put all that together? Because that, this town will never see that ever again. That was incredible.
2: A lot of people trying to recreate it, but I don't think it could be done. I get a lot of people call me about it. You know, Hey, Jimmy, get involved with us. We want to redo what you already done. Mm -hmm. And, and I just think it's, I don't get involved with them. I don't go forward. You know, I had uh, a promoter from North Carolina call me and getting his license here now. And, um, he said, "I want to get you involved with me," and I'm like, "You can't recreate that. Mm-hmm. You know, I had too many ingredients. I was blessed with that you don't have today." And um, so when I got it, you know, every every commission in the United States turned down Oliver Call fighting. They said he was brain damage and this and that. You know, he was crazy. So what I done? I took him. I took him in Vegas. The commission and well, what Don King wanted, Don Oliver evaluated by the number one psychiatrist in the world and considered it in the way well, in america and she was in vegas and so we did that the next morning after the fight we went to the psychiatrist know, and, and she actually done both of us you know and so she cleared him she said no he's smart as a tag you know what i mean she and um and so you know he come on. He would want to say that well I did it because I want to be like my that was my rope dope and all that stuff you know. But you know that that's just garbage. That wasn't true. You mm-hmm. know? That he just like I say mainly it messed with him because he didn't knock him out. Mm-hmm. And and if he'd have knocked him out in the second round, none of that no crown would ever happen. You know mm-hmm. if he could have knocked him out like he planned. But, you know, it's just no different. And I look at it in a way like this here. It's no different if you and I, if we had something we wanted to do and we trained hard for it and we'd done this and done that to get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it doesn't matter if it's about riding a bicycle 10 miles out, stop, and we're about to stop pedaling. period. If we was to not succeed in that, it breaks your heart. Right. You're depressing yourself. Sure. And I think that's what's happened with him, as I said, in that fight. So what happened to all the commissions, even though, I went and I got some psychiatrists to do him, I got MRIs, I got I got everything from the head to the toe. Mm-hmm. I got everything checked out, complete physicals. I had all my documentation to show that he is okay to fight. But the commission suspended him. Mm-hmm. They suspended him. No, he couldn't fight anyway. So I went to Mark Ratner and so when I saw pulling all these documents over to Mark Ratner and all, I said, Mark, I said the guy, I said, Marcus, you know me want enough to know that if he wasn't bad, I would not put him in the ring. I said, guy, he just he just got cross. And, and I told him, Marcus, he just had a problem that night that we didn't know him. Don King didn't know. I didn't know. Nobody stuck him. Because right there in the dressing room, if Alvalos looked at me and said, hey, I can't do this fight. I don't want to fight. I would have called a fight off with the crowd, TV, and all that. right? I would not have pushed him in there. And so all them things that people say is not true. Right, right. That's not true. Well, they can be backed up, too, by, by medical yeah, records. Yeah, by I medical mean, records. Yeah. yeah. And, and so what I did, Mark told me, he said, Jimmy, if you can find a place to find him, mm-hmm. get him started back, and we can show, and then, then we'll, I'll lift it for him to come to Vegas to fight. Mm-hmm. But he said, I will lift the suspension right now if you find him somewhere else.
0: Okay. So that's what,
2: what created the whole what, That's what, what, what enticed in. you to come to Nashville and, yeah. and do it here. Yeah. So, anyway, I found Nashville, and I came not on the commission name. You might remember Dan, Don, Dan, what his name was Dan and something.
0: I can't remember. It seems like we've had a few since then. Yeah.
2: So, whatever his name was back then, he's not there now. But, no. But I went to him. They don't him. even have a commission anymore, I don't think. Oh, really? I, I don't think yeah. they do. So, I went to him, and I explained it, and I showed him all my records Now, and, mm-hmm. and I said, listen, I bring boxing to Nashville. And I said, I'll be on Nashville. I'll fight every week. I'll put, I'll put Nashville on the map. And he looked at me You know, because you know, Nashville always wanted to have a boxing presence here. It used to. It used, it used to, to it. in the 50s. Yeah. In the 50s and 60s. It did. Yeah. it did. You're right. And so, anyway, he looked at me. He said, okay. He said, uh, let's do it. So, he licensed Oliver. And then went to the mixed factory, and Alva fought every week. We fought 10 weeks back-to-back. Back. Mm-hmm. Let him off. Then I think he fought three more. Then that's when the fight started coming back in. So then we ended up going back fighting for the title again.
0: So you, you did something in 1997 that was phenomenal. Uh, I, I believe, the, were the bouts on Thursday nights? Tuesday. Tuesday nights. uh, David Hudson and I were were debating over whether they were Tuesday nights. I said Tuesday, and he said Thursday. No, it's Tuesday. But I thought it was Tuesday night fights uh, down there at at Mix Factory. And you put on a show every single week, a great card for how many weeks straight? For a
2: year straight. For a solid year straight. 54 weeks. Didn't miss a week.
0: Goodness, great yeah because I remember I fought yeah. there from 97 to 98 and yeah. then and then uh, and then I started fighting other places because it stopped yeah uh, I don't know if I would have ever gone to other places if it hadn't uh, I mean you, you I'll tell you something that you may not know and how you and I got to, to, to start working together. So in my second pro fight, I boxed one of your guys, Tom Tom Gavin, uh, right. and I beat him from ring post to ring post uh, and didn't get the decision. And I was I, I thought okay I'm done with boxing I'll, I'll I'll leave one and one and I'm sitting in the the uh, the dressing room and I'm getting ready and Greg Page and, and Nick Rupa come and talk to me yeah. and they they're like well hey man uh, you know you can fight a little bit won't you won't you come box with us and I'm like I came here to be a singer I didn't really come here to be a fighter and they're like, they like well do you have a job and I'm like well no but uh, you know, boxing doesn't really seem like a, 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 a you know stable job to me. They were like, "Come to the gym, and we'll we'll make sure you have a job." And I'm like, "Okay." And so that was what started me going down there and, and working with uh, Greg and Nick uh, uh, down there at the Excalibur Boxing Gym. And then I, I met you, and then started boxing. But I got to ask you, how come you never gave me the
2: rematch with Tom Gavin? I begged and begged for it. You did beg me for it, and you uh, Tom wouldn't fight you again. Oh my gosh! Listen, I travel I called him everywhere. <laughs> I called him back because he lived in Virginia. Uh-huh. I called him in Virginia, and so anyway, he uh, he said, "Because you know, cause you people followed you. I mean, you had people Follow you, and they liked you. They liked your your image coming in the ring and all." And so I thought it'd be something that the people did want to see a rematch. Because I didn't even had a lot of people say, "Hey, won't you get him back to fight him again?" Mm-hmm. And so, and I tried. And then he moved to Arizona. And I called him in there. Somebody gave me a number from my hometown. I called him in Arizona and because I found out he was fighting in Arizona. Mm-hmm. I said, Tom, come to the mix factor. Don't you fight? I not you to fight. want. he said, who do you want me to fight? I said, don't you fight Mike Rogers? He said, no. I said, why? He said, I don't want to fight. He said, he said I'm going to cherish that win over him for the rest of my life. He said, I don't want to fight him again. Oh my goodness! And I'm gonna tell you off the record here, which we ain't off the record. But I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> I told him. I said, "Listen, I tell you what I do. If you come and find him, I said, between me and you, I give you a thousand dollars extra." <laughs> he said, "Are you serious?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "I want 5000
0: thousand."
2: Oh, so he's gonna bump it? I said, "You got it." Okay. He said, "I was just joking." <laughs> <laughs> oh so, man. And let me know, no matter what. I'll, so I quit chasing him then.
0: Yeah, I i, I was like, at, to that, at that particular point, I was like, I didn't care if it was an eight round or a 10 round or whatever else. If you'd have put
2: $5,000 on the line, he wouldn't have got out of one round. You no, know, I'm telling you, I told him, I said, listen, that's what I do. And he said, I don't want to fight him. But he never gave me a real reason why, except for. He, yeah, he, he, he just wanted, you just gave it. He just yeah, wanted to. He, he just wanted, wanted to, to keep that win over you. Yeah, yep. yep. He he, he, he pulled a Leonard on me, yeah. So, so it, yeah, it's, it's a Leonard Hager deal, yeah. So you know, <laughs> but he was not fight. But I tried to put it together because so many people talked about
0: it. Yeah, it was I, it was it was a fun time. Um, uh, so then you you started work. Golly, you had a. You've worked with a ton of great fighters in that period. Tony Tucker, yeah. Riddick Bowe, uh, Oliver McCaw. There were a ton of great fighters that came through there as they were training and making their debut right there. You, you, I didn't even know that Mia St. Saint, Mia Saint John made her she debut started there. Heretic, yeah. yeah,
2: yeah. Well, you, you know, the, the thing that was lucky, I was lucky, was my relationship with Don. Because mm-hmm. Don would be signing all these fighters, but he wasn't having all these fights. Mm-hmm. So what Don would do, he would call me and give me names of fighters to put on the card. And so what he made he made the outlet work for him because he'd have these contracts, these fighters that had to fight three times a year or whatever. And so instead of going and putting on a big fight somewhere and losing all that money, mm-hmm. he would call me and pay for the his fighter plus the opponent. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I had no expense. Right. And that's why. And I, and I told the guy the, the other day, there were there were we that wants coming in a fight. I said, listen, one, I had a building that mm-hmm. paid money. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to pay for the building. I said it paid money. And I said and two, I had a promoter, another promoter that was sending me finance and paying all that expense. Uh-huh. I said so you know, I had I had everything the ingredients you need to make the, to bake the pie.
0: Who who brought you to Paul Eichel? Was that was that that was the guy that owned Mix yeah, Factory? Yeah, Jeff Hargis. Okay, Jeff Hargis. Yeah. Um, and how, so he Jeff, so you started talking with Jeff Hargis because he was a promoter. Jeff Hargis set up the situation uh, at Mix Factory with Paul Eichel, and then uh, you you brought your influence in with Don King to make them legitimate cards. I mean, you yeah. gave new fighters like me the opportunity to fight on cards for you know Oliver McCall and all these other different fighters, these big name fighters that we wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, and you 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 put on some big shows here. Um, um, what happened to Paul Eichel and, and Jeff Hargis And all these guys
2: Well i tell you what happened uh, The club started getting out of hand Okay there, there was a girl Who got raped on the steps And stairway
0: I've never heard that
2: Yeah A girl got raped on the stairway Then it started becoming Drug dealers were coming in And You know a lot of drug trans- transitions started happening and stuff you know
0: at the club or at the fights at,
2: at the fight well I was there only on Tuesday nights okay. I went, I'm not a clubber so Tuesday nights on time I was even there
0: oh I didn't know if there were things that were happening at the club that affected the ability to put on fights yeah. there
2: well see what happened because you know after the fight mm-hmm. that's what Paul really racked up because after the fight he had the people who wanted to come dance but after the fight the, the crowd there oh, would go, okay. up, go upstairs to the club yeah 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 they go upstairs to the club they turn the ring down everything they got Four stories of this clubbing, right, right, which is starting crazy, yeah, you know, and so then you know after the girl got raped and all, you know, and then all that stuff, you know, I said, whoa, you know, it's getting crazy here. Mm -hmm. I'm going back to Virginia. Okay, so that's when I quit.
0: That was in early '98, then or middle. It was maybe the big.
2: I can't remember. I think it was, I think it was early 98. Was yeah. it like April of 98 or something, something like that? Something like that. Okay. Because then I said, "Oh, listen, I'm going back to Virginia. Well, you said, packed up you know, quick. I quick. packed up quick and just left. Well, one, I didn't want to be involved with all that craziness. Mm-hmm. And and then, you know what, it's just like, I mean, I started looking at it and I said, okay, I pulled 54 weeks out. Uh, I put Nashville... David Klein done a thing, which was one really of the coolest things to me. It was I was real honored. The fifty greatest uh, sports figures in the state of Tennessee, mm-hmm. and I was number twenty-one. I beat out the governor. I beat out uh, Vince Gill. Mm-hmm. That was, I mean, Vince Gill was forty-eight, and that was just an honor to me. And I didn't even live here then. Mm-hmm. And so when they did that, you know, I mean, to me, I achieved a whole lot. I, mean, I got interviews all over the world. I had people flying from London to interview me about how many fights was happened here. And so, you know, and then, you know, the list of the most fights in 97 was California, mm-hmm. Tennessee, and then Las Vegas. Wow. So Tennessee was number two. And we only missed being the number one spot, I think, by three, four fights. Oh, wow. it weren't many. Uh, so there's one other thing that I want to I want to clear the air about because I, I want to take
0: up for you because there was a, a an ugly article that came out in like '97 or '98 or whatever where they were talking about homeless people right. uh, 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 fighting on the cards and things of that nature and I want to, on the record I want to sit here and say that uh, Jimmy Adams did not make one single match ever for me uh, that 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 uh, that was involved with anybody like that um, as a matter of fact you know if there were homeless people on there or if there were people that had not had a lot of fights and stuff you know there's a lot of people that that all over the country, and all all of the different, you know, it doesn't matter where they where they're coming from. That's up to the commission to take care of those kind of things. Exactly. And uh, you, I, you, I never saw you involved in anything like that. So
2: I just wanted to clear the air on that one. Well, thank you, Mike. And I know it was. Like I, I've got that a whole lot. You know, people say, "Well, you went to a homeless bus station and all this stuff," and it's not true. But you know, I, I learned from Don King. like Don's always told me, to Jimmy, when people start stuff like that with you, it's like you add, and you make a comment, it's like adding a log to the fire. And that's why I never come back forward and say anything. Mm-hmm. I them see what they want to say, because I know what the truth is, I never did. Right. The only thing I ever made a comment back to him was, Well, you know what? I'm not the commission and I ain't the doctor. Right, right, that right. Approved, I ain't the one who licensed them. Right. And, you know, here's a, so here's
0: one that I get all the time, and it's like, uh, uh, you know, I, I hear you fought uh, homeless people or whatever else. And, and the, the truth of the matter is, in my very first fight, I was living in my car. Yeah. So, I mean, I was, I was one of those guys. My, my first professional uh, license is uh, the uh, the bar to, oh, gosh, what was that guy's name? Eddie... Eddie Rines.
2: Eddie Rines. A- Eddie yeah. Rines yeah. Had, yeah.
0: I, I didn't have a home, so I put uh, his the address of his bar because that was where I hung yeah. out. Yeah. And, uh, and that was on the very first professional boxing card that yeah. I ever had. Um, so, I mean, you know, people fight out, people fight their way. That's why it's boxing. They, it gives them an opportunity to fight their way out of the position they're in in life. Uh, so, you know, there you have it. Um, then, after you left there, did you continue to stay in boxing?
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I stayed in boxing. With, like to with Oliver, uh, you know. And, I, and actually, I just cut, I cut everything else back. You know, I had too many people. I, actually, at one time, I can't even remember all of the names I had. Actually, but one time in '97, I was managing 19 fighters. Oh wow! You know, from Tyrone Taylor, Tyrone Taylor to. To, uh, I mean, I can't remember everybody. I had Kenny Bowman, and you know, but then you know what happened when you get so many. You know, it's just like you can't watch everything, mm-hmm. and then you got so many people who thieves of the night coming in and want to steal your fighter. And when you you know when you're trying to do so much, and you know, and you do have to take care of what's paying your bills, and sometimes the people you're trying to help get started or get into, you know, you do neglect them more than what you should, I guess, because it's only one of me
0: instead of being a shepherd you become a sheep herder yeah
2: yeah and then i got tired of that i'm like okay everybody just go and so um and that's really what made me it's just the and, and you know and just like with the commissions and stuff you know it's, i mean uh i have to say to me like you take them the boxing with me back then i look at what donald trump said today you know it's the system needs to be changed Right, because it's a bad system. Right, and you got some people make calls to the system of boxing that's never even boxed. Right, oh, never, yeah. never even been in it. Don't right. even have a clue what they're talking about. Right, and they they want to act like they're an expert at it, and they're not. Right, and yeah, you got to follow that lead. And I just like I just got tired of all the garbage. When I, like say when I bought Rudy Bo back, I bought him to Nashville. I got really Bow because what he done you know brain damage and all that you know listen I, we took we went through all these tests and we proved that the really Bow said he was brain damage was because of the situation he got him uh, less jail time. For the incident with his wife.
0: Okay, so it was a it was a it was a legal it was a legal strategy.
2: Yeah. Okay. Uh, his ex manager at the time, uh, Rock Newman, told him say, "This is what we're going to do. We won't fight no more." We say, had yeah, And you, you done you 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 tried to stab your wife because, uh, your your mind left you. Okay. So he got left time less time in jail for that. So Rock Newman told
0: him to say that. Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: So we proved that in documents. And so we got licensed everywhere we wanted to fight, except for Tennessee. Okay. And it was the most irritating thing when we come here. We've done everything they asked for, and still we end up in court trying to fight for a license to fight in Tennessee.
0: And, and it was where did this incident take place at? I
2: wasn't even here, was it? it no, was we in- went to. Uh, it, it was in uh, California. Okay. uh Bow. Oh yeah. Yeah. Where did that incident? Yeah. Oh, it? It, it was in Washington. Okay. It's in Washington. Okay. Know. Yeah, he was taking to North Carolina or something. Okay. You know, you know but anyway, she willing really was going, and all of a sudden, she just flips, flipped the script on him and went inside, called a cop, said she was kidnapped. You know, so like Bo said, if uh, if I kidnapped her, why not? Why not? Why would I let her? Why? Why would I let her go? into the restroom by herself. Right, right. If I kidnapped her. Sure. And he said, she told me she had to pee. I pull over to go to McDonald's get something to eat, and she goes in the restroom and calls the cops on him. Okay. Now, he said, if I kidnapped her, why not stop at McDonald's and let her run free to do whatever? Right. But anyway, they... And he had the children in the car, had too. Had the kids, too. Right. So... But that was whenever it all came out with his oldest son not being his. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, so then what we done we come here so I started to fight Tennessee because you know what happened it was the commission just wasn't together and so the commission and my final uh, incident was they said well we don't trust you what we don't trust you because you allow homeless you took homeless and fought underneath us and that's when I made the court The remark in the courtroom I said I ain't commissioned." Mm-hmm. You're the one who cleared them. Mm-hmm. So you're the one who ran to get them in the ring. So if they was homeless and no good and they wasn't this and that, you, the commission itself should have found that out. So I got in a little spat with the commission. So
0: what, 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 how can they make some kind of disparaging remark like that without any kind of documented proof?
2: Uh, they did. All. And so what mm-hmm. happened is we never got licensed. And, and we got licensed everywhere but in Nashville okay. in Tennessee. And so we went to... We went to Oklahoma. I took them to Oklahoma. We had a fight in Oklahoma um, with. Uh, when they say homeless, do they do they mean did, what
0: were they saying? Like that they were like living on the streets.
2: Yeah. And coming in and fighting under the bridge, under the bus station. And okay. I, I, I don't know what you're talking about, which I don't. Oh man, to God. All of
0: your fighters yeah. that I remember were yeah. brought in from from out of state. All of the opponents yeah. were co- brought in from out of state. Yeah. So, to my knowledge, I mean, I used to have you had guys like Billy
2: Mitchell and I had Billy Mitchell, Bobby Mitchell, uh-huh. I had Walter Johnson. And what happened? They had a, a stable of fighters, right? And they bring that. No, actually, it was no different. What you do now with the Golden Glove. right? Right. So people take the stable of fighters and come here and fight, except it was pro, right? I had the same thing so I was never in charge with the you know the only thing I looked at when I I match fighters for my fighters opponents when I talk to them they tell me who they have and and the main thing I was always interested in what's your record Uh I always look at a fighter what's his record and what his knockout ratio is Mm -hmm. because I got a fighter if if you're going to go against a fighter who like um, has no punching power and has had 20 fights you know and he's only knocked out one person and mm-hmm. if I got a fighter that got some good punching and power and, and, and can move mm-hmm. I'm not scared to fight that fighter, right because he ain't he ain't got no knockout power so okay we can get hit but you have to be careful and that's how I always try to judge my fighters that way. When I look to the opponent I say, okay, bring him on, bring him mm-hmm. on gotcha and uh and so when the fighters came in there to go into commission and get cleared, I know you have seen them. But when I went through this court thing with Rudy here, mm-hmm. they had like I just did they had like I was just this master pimp mm-hmm. that just did everything like that, you know. They thought you were a mastermind behind the yeah, whole thing. Okay. And I, and I wasn't. Right. And you know, it's just like I say, when you know, when, when you took your loss to Tom Gavin, mm-hmm. do you think that's what I wanted? Because you was working with me. Uh, actually, I wasn't at that. I don't think I was at that time, but that fight got me to working with you. Yeah, uh, but was happening, but I still wouldn't want to happen because you did come to work with me. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. why I wanted to help you clean that record up. Yeah, I, I wanted I that. And every time I see you, can you get that fight for me? Yeah. Can you get that you know? I mean, I and, closed and I his
0: eye. I mean, I closed his eye. I busted yeah, he his was, nose. I tore him all up. I couldn't figure out why in the world
2: I'd lost that fight. I was like, what in the world? You know what? And I didn't figure it out either because <laughs> you won the fight. <laughs> Because when I heard that decision, I go like, "What?" You know, I, mean, <laughs> well, I mean, it was a good fight. I mean, you you took him to school. Ah, well, you know, hey, hey, you can't win them all.
0: And um, uh, so, you, then you decided. Well, let me ask you this: because Riddick Bo had like how
2: many fights did he fight in your in his comeback with you? Uh, two. Okay, and he and, won them both. He won them both, but what happened with Bo after we fought? We went to uh, the, the reservation, and. Uh, um, it was in California I forgot the name of that But we went there And the little boy I forgot who it was Who he thought um, Well Bo The guy came to fight mm-hmm. Now the guy was a decent fighter You know Because I looked at his record As a decent fighter But you know He always ran out of gas Or even he got knocked out By anybody who could punch uh-huh. Well Bo could punch too You know He could punch But Bo still had weight on him But Bo just wanted to Stay active So we took it. We took in, we took in uh, 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 Dan Goosen, the one who got to fight for us, and we followed Goosen, Goosen card. And so we took in uh, this guy. This guy came to fight. When the guy come, I didn't even recognize the guy because in pictures I've seen the guy before. before, you know, a little chubby, not fat, but little I me. Mean, but he came in and looked. I looked at him. I said, "What? This is a guy." But he was ripped. And he come, and to him, he was going to take his. He, he, he wanted to take his glory And read mm-hmm. it both. Right. And he changed for it And man he got in that ring He he fought mm-hmm. He fought we won a decision But when we got in the car To go back to, to go somewhere We went to go somewhere And I Bo's up front and I'm sitting in the back Me and my wife's in the back And I noticed Bo's blood was running out of Bo's ear mm-hmm. And it was running out of his ear and so, anyway, I told Bo, uh, and that's my last fight with Bo. I said, no, because when I seen that blood come out of his ear, no matter what, his ear drum, no matter what uh, I just, and they done a test he on feared him. for his health. They tested, they done a test on him, and he done all the tests, touching his nose, he done all this stuff with him. I, went, I took him to the doctor, and his wife, that's what she wanted to. We took him to the doctor, and they had all these MRIs and all done again, and they all checked out. But what happened was his balance. When a doctor asked him to stoop down and walk backwards, a duck walk, I asked him to do the duck walk. Mm-hmm. He done duck walk forward, fine. Then he said, do the duck walk backwards. And he couldn't do it. Oh. And I said, I'm done.
0: Right. Well, so do you think that, that, I mean, obviously he's not, you know, brain, well, I mean, do, do you think that he's, he took too many punches in the ring?
2: yeah i i i just don't think he should box someone right mean, you know um i think it i think it kind of stemmed from the, the Galatta wars Galaatta messed him up yeah yeah Galaatta messed him up Galata he took so many hits at the head by Galaata was in two fights with Galatta were well, not two fights he should have done
0: oh it was there just were just wars absolute wars and yeah. and and and, and to be honest with you, if Galata hadn't gotten disqualified in both those fights i don't know I don't know that he would have won I mean, uh, it, it he was it was they were brutal back and
2: forth wars, but not only that, remember the wars with Holyfield. Yeah. I mean, Bowie had wars. I mean, he had war fights. You know, know, he's one of the fighters that fought wars, and I think it caught up with him at the end. Why do you think he would never really – why did he dump that belt, the WBC belt,
0: into the trash can? Why wouldn't he fight Lennox Lewis? Was he fearful that you think that the the whole Olympic Games thing was going to happen all over again when Lennox Lewis knocked him out?
2: political. I think he he done the belt because of Rock Newman. Okay. He you know him he loved Rock Newman and he would do anything with Rock Newman said do. Okay. And I think it was a game that Rock Newman wanted to play because oh. Bo was not scared to fight Lewis. He wanted to fight Lewis. He wanted to fight Lewis even when I started working with him. Oh really? Yeah, he started calling him out. Okay. He wanted to fight him. I mean he wanted to fight him in ways that at now. Okay. And so you know and Bo is not a so, coward. So it wasn't Bo, it was Newman that was in that, my belief in my that that, that that didn't want Lewis. Yeah, because you know what happened is you get in this boxing, you get these wars of these promoters, and, and I, mean, I mean prime example, Muhammad Ali uh, Law. The Muhammad Ali Law was started by John McCain, and it was all based upon Carl uh, King, Don King, you know. And, and but you know, look what everybody else does. Right. They don't call out everybody else. They was just at to Don King. Right. Right. And so you know, and that's what I'm saying. Once again, you got somebody putting the two cents in that don't even know the fight game. They don't know what it, they don't know what you can go through to getting a fight game. Right, right. And it gets cut. That politics gets inside there. And like I say, the commission. I think when the commissions, uh, Nashville, Nashville, had a good good guy, mm-hmm. but you know what, he didn't have the budget. To, to do the things like say they wouldn't let the, they wouldn't do our ease test okay they didn't have the money right so there's a lot of things that should have been done even we had these fights here that the commission was not allowed to have because they didn't have the budget to do it okay so I mean, so I am I'm always for having an AIDS test. Uh-huh. You know, you know that blood. I mean, I mean sure. But you know, Tennessee, there for a while, they didn't. I don't know what they do now, but then for a while, you wouldn't even have to have it.
0: That wasn't. I don't even know that that was even thought of until Tommy Morrison. Yeah. Uh, you know, whenever he was scheduled to fight, uh, uh, I can't. I think might have been. I was, was somebody. He had signed a contract to fight two guys and then Mike Tyson. Um, and then on the very first guy he was supposed to fight, and this was with Don King, I believe. Yeah. And and then and then the very first fight he went in to fight, um, he showed up positive. And when they brought my dad in, my dad thought he was like positive for like drugs, and, no, and he didn't age, know that yeah. it was it was HIV. You know, yeah. that, that which started a whole you know uh, rampant thing uh, yeah. about that. Uh, and I remember golly 97 also was another big year that didn't happen in 97 that happened in 96 96 yeah but in 97 do you also remember that was the year that uh, that
2: Tyson bit off uh, Holyfield's Holy
0: ear of yeah I, yeah
2: and also it was the year that Tupac got murdered oh was it that year yeah well, Tupac was at the
0: fight oh I thought he no he was at the Frank Bruno fight that was in 96 I think and yeah. Frank Bruno when, it was at the Frank Bruno fight whenever he got shot in Vegas
2: Okay, and that's one because I was at that fight. When okay, got, when did he get shot? You, so you were just, there? DMG, the yeah, DMG and two Tupac. I seen Tupac when uh, uh, when he left in the car. Oh wow! Yeah.
0: So you saw him? This is his last the last time I'm, he was alive? Yeah. Oh wow, that is but just,
2: crazy. Just what five minutes down the road, then he was murdered.
0: The first time I met uh, uh, Mike Tyson was in 1984 at the National Golden Gloves, Oh, really? and uh, yeah, he was knocking everybody out. Uh, I saw him in '83. Uh, but didn't really meet him or anything, but in 84 that he was there with Customata and, and, Mm -hmm. uh, and he, he was knocking everybody out. And I, I went up, and that year I got all the winners to sign this program. And that, that year it was Virgil Hill, Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, because it was the 1984, right before the Olympics. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of those guys went on to make the Olympic team. Uh, and I don't know if you remember, but Mike Tyson lost a very controversial uh, decision to Tyrell Biggs. Yeah. Uh, was it? What, well, yeah, no, no, it wasn't Tyrell Biggs. It was uh, uh, Henry Tillman. He lost, it was Henry Tillman he lost a very controversial decision Tyrell Biggs was a super heavyweight representative and then Henry Tillman was the heavyweight representative and he knocked him down like a couple of times uh, in, in those amateur bouts and, and they still gave the decision to Tyson in the, in the Olympic trials and then Tyson went on to become you know what he did uh, it was so weird because I remember asking him for that autograph and and he was this beast of a man you know he was like he, he was like five ten five eleven two hundred and fifteen pounds, and he he had on these black and white rocky trunks uh, and uh, uh, this white tank top he had on um, uh, his boots he had the tongue hanging out of them and this headgear that looked like it was way too small for his head. And when I went up and asked him to sign it, uh, I, I I was shocked when he looked at me and goes, Where would you like me to sign? And I <laughs> almost I almost crapped on myself because I thought he was possessed by Michael Jackson or something. Yeah. I was like, what oh, in real. the world? Because you know, you had this this, this bigger than life man knocking everybody out. And then he talks like this and I was just where would you like me to you know, I said, Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. I was, sure. <laughs> I was like, Oh my gosh, holy cow Um So and then it wasn't but about a year or two later, he was the heavyweight champion of the world. We're all playing his video game. Yeah. You know, that was a big deal.
2: Yeah, that's a deal. Yeah, um, that's a story in itself.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, did you ever work with, with Mike whenever?
2: Never worked with him. I mean, I've met him several times, long, but I've never worked with him, no.
0: Isn't it? It's kind of neat to watch how he's reinvented himself now. Uh, reminds me a lot of George Foreman, the way he reinvented himself.
2: I'm really I'm really proud of him, uh, of what he's turned into right, now. I right, right. Because, you know... Well, to me, I, I compare him to like a Britney Spears. You know, Britney Spears, when she went through her moment. No, I'm proud of Britney Spears. I'm not a, I'm not a Britney Spears fan, but I'm proud of how she come back. For sure. I mean, the whole world went against her. Everybody loves a comeback story. Yeah, and she got a great comeback to doing what she's doing now, the album, where it's there. And then Mike Tyson, same thing with that downfall he took, and he took a downfall, but to come back. But I think what got Mike more than anything else, I mean, anything else when he lost his daughter, and I can only imagine a man losing a child. But uh, I, I think when he lost his daughter, that really made him snap to do a mm-hmm. to hey, wait a minute. You, you know, yeah. And, yeah. And I really think that a, played a big part. But like today, I mean he helps people, I mean I mean he's he's a good dude. But I think one thing about Mike that people have a hard time do deal with him today, he tells the truth.
0: Ah, uh, yeah. I mean he
2: don't he don't candy coat nothing. Sure. And not even today. No filter, absolutely. He got no filter. Right. And, you know, and so, and see, I've learned there's some things that I fight to see from perspective. See, because I've, I've been on, on both sides of the fence a lot of it. And from a promoter to a manager, I mean, it's easy to get them jobs mixed up. It's easy to... Think, okay, well, my manager's not doing right, promoter's not doing right, mm-hmm. and then make them not do right or whatever, you know. And I think sometimes in, in, in relationships and in sports, in the game of sport, it, it's just communication and taking that extra five minutes to talk and understand what each other's about. Because mm-hmm. I don't mean it's wrong, and a lot of people question and say that I'm lying about it, but to me, I was a damn good manager mm-hmm. because I cared about my fighters. And like I say, when I did the Mix Factory, I was involved with that. I was involved with that because love I loved what we was doing together. Mm-hmm. But I seen the picture bigger than the mix factory. A lot of people got caught up in just the mix factory. And so when I walked away from it, a lot of, a lot of hopes and dreams failed. And I didn't mean it for it to be like that because where, where do you go now?
0: Sure, sure. And
2: when you take these other steps, you know, of course, they only set you up for real failure right, right, in front of the world. So when you fail down the mix factory, you fail down there. But still, it was giving you a legit... Records are winning it was building you as a pro boxer right it was building your identity to who you can be but see it's just like saying when you step out there on stage, you've got to be the perform
0: right so it, it, well, all of those guys that were associated with that um where are they now or what what was their story what ended up happening to them the 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 jeff hargis the jimmy westmoreland the the uh uh it was an uh, Paul Eichel. What, what ever happened to those guys? It's like you're the only one that's still around that's, that's still uh, either in or around or still doing something, you know, productive. Or not
2: necessarily productive because I don't well, know what they're doing. I think I've heard that Jim Westmore is back in he's still in Virginia. And he sells insurance is what I hear. Okay. Um, of course, you know... Um, him and I don't talk anymore. Um, we haven't talked because it's it's my fault because he's selling insurance or whatever because I didn't carry him with me. But I'm a firm believer. If I get in business with you, and I look at it, and I want, I want you to look at it the same way. Sure. If I get in business with you, and we're going to run a lap of 500 laps mm-hmm. of what we're running, and we've run 499 laps and you quit, to me, you lost the race. Right. If I go on and make that 500 lap, I won. Right. So, I don't, I'm not one of these that reach back and say, okay, I'm going to give you that lap. Because you know what? That lap cost me too damn much. Right, right. It was hard. It was easy for me. It was just as easy for me to quit as they did. Mm-hmm. But I didn't. Right. Now, if I had to go with today, would I redo it all? I, probably not. Okay. Because, you know, it, it was so much. And so, but then again, I'm very thankful. You know, I believe in my God so much. And so right now, I'm here today, alive. For all the health issues i've had because of my good lord and because of my wife right because my wife has been like an angel to me and uh, she takes care of me but i ain't done i'm, I'm coming back from a sickness i've been down for nine months mm-hmm. Uh um, yeah, we're gonna i want to talk i want to talk about uh, yeah. i
0: want to go into great detail about what it yeah. is that you're doing today too but i just want to kind of like cover some of this ground that we're we're, yeah. we're still on here okay uh, yeah. uh yeah. um Uh, Hargis Uh, He's a doctor now right Or he's a Like a Somebody said he was A doctor A chiropractor Or something
2: I don't know Uh, I'm going to tell you uh, Hargis and I had um, Hargis and I We went separate ways And uh, we went against each other
0: Okay What do you mean against each other
2: Well we didn't like each other Okay You know We just didn't like each other Okay and, but you know what? I have to uh, thank Hargis because Jeff Hargis because he took in, and he's the one who had he had the mix factory together. Okay, he's the one who induced me to it. You know, and so, um, and we he's the one who helped me get started in the mix factory. Okay, so you know I've seen Hargis.
0: So, in all truthfulness, then, there wouldn't be a Honky Tonk Hitman without Jimmy Adams, and there wouldn't be a Jimmy, Jimmy Adams without Jeff Hargis. Right. Okay. Or at least there wouldn't have been a mixed factory
2: would series. wouldn't have been a mixed factory series. Right, right. Jeff Hargis and Paul Ica, of course, you know. Just, and so, what happened was, was, but Jeff Hargis is the one who got the license. Mm-hmm. And, and, but, you know, I've seen things one way, and Jeff's seen things another way, and we just didn't agree. Okay. And then, you know, and maybe I was cockier than I should have been at times, and maybe he was, too. But we just didn't agree. But I, would, I had a meeting, um, first of the year. I had a meeting. This year? Yeah, I think it was the first of the year. I had a meeting with a guy who came in from New York. And we went to the steakhouse downtown. And the waitress set me in the booth right beside of Jeff Harkis. And we <laughs> haven't seen him until many years. Okay. And I got up, and he got up. And I looked at him, and I said, hey, let's bury the hatchet. And uh, I said, listen, I'm sorry, what have I done wrong? And he said, I'm sorry, what have I done wrong? And we hugged, shook hands and hugged each other, and, and he gave me his card and said, hey, why don't you come see me? This is where I'm at now, uh, over the Union Station. And uh, So is he a chiropractor? I don't know. Okay. I, I didn't even know what he was doing. Okay. And uh, so anyway, um, he told me he was on top of Union Station, and uh, we hugged each other and I said, hey, it's bygone the bygone. And that was really good for me. I mean, I was glad because, you know, doing your life. But you know, any time you're going to succeed, at something. It costs something. And somebody's going to get hurt. Doesn't matter. Whatever you go after in your life, you now, somebody that's close to you ain't gonna like what you do. Sure. It's gonna hurt them, and it's sad because they expect you really to stop.
0: Right, right, right. But
2: then again, you realize you got to make a living. I got to, but I got a dream I want to fulfill. Mm-hmm. So you got to understand. You you know. People are going to get hurt. It's just like my hometown. I love my hometown. I miss my family back there. But, you know, and it's not their fault. It's my fault. I just don't feel like I fit no more. Mm -hmm. And and it's just like I heard ridicule. My mama passed away. And I went back to uh, my mama's funeral, of course. And through the grapevines, you don't know what's true, enough, because what happened, people don't talk directly to you; that they talk around to you. Okay. And so I went back there, you know, and and I've been blessed. So I went back there in uh, uh, my Mercedes, my uh, H2 Hummer, because I took a crew with me, like you, and my Bentley. And so got back and went to a hard time with my mama being buried and all. When I get back here to Tennessee, I get this call, and then my member of the family said, Hey, you know, uh, everybody out here thinks you just come to your mama's funeral just to show off with all your fancy cars. Well, you know what? It's all I had. Mm-hmm. Them cars I could drive every day. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. If I go to a meeting, I mean, I, I might get in my Bentley. Now, you know, since then, I bought me a Ford truck and a Ford Mustang. But still trying to look like you're n Nashvilleian, Yeah, get but you. still you know, I drive Bentlins and the Mercedes. Right. And I'm I'm not bragging. I'm fortunate that I can do that, mm. you know. I might not be able to do it next month, but I'm I'm okay. I you know? see you in a big black Cadillac. Oh look, I want a rolls. <laughs> uh, my next move was a rolls. I mean, you know, and I don't want it for nobody but you know, first I get this baby, this new baby done, you know. But uh but I wanna take it and, and, and you know, but I hate that family feeling like I'm above. Of whatever, and I'm not. You know, I worked hard. I worked hard. So you, just, I,
0: you think there's some jealousy there? Of course. Yeah.
2: But anytime that people get jealous of, 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 and it's not what I'm not. Jealous. Listen, mm-hmm. I hope everybody in my family, no matter how what kid they are to me, sure succeed and end up a billion dollars.
0: But I don't. I don't even think it's just your family. I think that's 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 everybody. I, I, for whatever reason, when people start to have success, the you you know how you know when you're being successful because you start to draw haters. And, and, and haters Success draws haters um, that's, that's just a fact
2: And You know Mike I hear all this stuff about me And I guess with age Because before I could tell you I don't care I didn't care mm-hmm. If you want don't like me I don't care Because I ain't got to <laughs> like you You know But you know Since you go through And you know Because you've been through it yourself When you get sick And you come close to dying Yes And You start realizing What's really important to you and it's not that Bentley sitting outside, right? you know, and, and you, you said that, and it's not no material thing whatsoever you own. It's not that. But, you know, I thank God that I was able to, to be able to see the importance of life. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say, I truly miss my family, but I don't fit no more.